This is episode number 42 with Carrie Ann Moss. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl, and I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe to uncover the habits, mindsets, tools, and rituals that they have used to become world-class so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? Carrie-Anne Moss shot to global stardom as Trinity in The Matrix Trilogy. As well as being a mega Hollywood actress, she is a mother, wife, and owner of Annapura Living. Though she loves her work, it is her marriage and family that are her deepest callings and have brought her the greatest joy. As a mother and wife, she is able to embody her true self and engage in her most authentic work in this life. She is a student and teacher of Kundalini Yoga, a technology that has changed her life and that she feels compelled to share with the world. Her kundalini practices have given her a remarkable freedom through discipline that enables her to live a life of satisfaction and nourishment. Her website, Annapura Living, is a call to the modern woman to join her on this journey toward connection to the self and to our surroundings. Carrie-Anne and I were introduced via two different friends who said that we must connect and boy, am I glad that we did because this was one of the most delicious and heart-centered conversations I've had and I can't wait to share it with you because in today's episode, we chat about some mega realizations and discoveries that she has had on her spiritual path before she became an actress what she learned from her character Trinity in The Matrix, how in her personal life she dances between the masculine and the feminine energy, how she lets go of guilt and nourishes her mind, body and soul on a daily basis, the power of spiritual awareness, what living through an earthquake and watching her life flash before her eyes taught her, how she navigates her way through Hollywood, the power of elevating others, how conscious parenting and our children can inspire us, why personal growth is the key to loving your life, how to manage your relationships and spiritual journey, how to communicate effectively with your lover, why your imperfections are perfect, how to awaken through your menstrual cycle, how having children and becoming a parent has changed her, how to connect with the moon to supercharge your creativity and productivity, why she consciously chooses to live a toxic-free life, plus so much more. And for everything that we mention in today's episode, you can check out at the show notes, and that is at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 42. And without further ado, let's bring on this beautiful, humble, inspiring woman, Carrie-Anne Moss. (music) 
Carrie Ann, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here. Before we dive in, can you tell us what you had for breakfast this morning? Well, I always have tea in the morning. Um, I'm really cutting out coffee. So if I do have a coffee, it's a decaffeinated coffee. And this morning, I actually had a little bit of green tea, a shake with some um, frozen cherries and coconut oil and ghee and maca and raw cacao and water. And then I had a decaffeinated turmeric latte, which was really stunning. Mm, Sounds delicious. It was great. (laughs) So most people know you as Trinity from The Matrix, and they may not know or be aware that you are a deeply heart-centered spiritual woman aiming to live as mindfully and as consciously as possible. So can you take us back to a time before The Matrix? Have you always been so devoted to your own spiritual work? And do you think that that influenced you being cast in The Matrix? I think that like my spiritual path definitely was accelerated when I moved to Los Angeles and became an actor. Um, there's so many modalities of spirituality in Los Angeles. So I moved there when I was 25. So, you know, many years ago and I arrived there pretty naive and pretty innocent. Um, I grew up in Canada and as a young girl, I definitely had a deep connection to Um, to my own personal spiritual connection, although I wasn't aware of it at all. But I can remember as a small girl feeling very deeply connected to God and it not being a religious idea. It wasn't anything that anyone told me. I wasn't taught or told what it should be. But I had a very heart-centered like connection to, to this feeling of God. And I prayed to this energy that I felt in, in my heart and I felt protected by that. And so I grew up with that in my heart. And then I, when I moved to LA, I, you know, moved there with this dream of being an actress. I've always been incredibly focused and always knew that that was what I wanted to do for work. And it felt like what I wanted to do was, you know, it it kind of went through many phases of, you know, wanting to be a movie star, wanting to win an Academy Award, wanting to be famous, all those things that as you're growing up and you're looking at people, you know, I definitely had all of those dreams at different moments. But when it really, when I really condensed it down to the truth of really what I wanted to do, I really wanted to tell stories to people. I wanted to be part of storytelling. And I felt things so strongly. Um, I'm very empathetic. And I just felt like um, my heart just felt like when I acted that I I felt like I was aligned with my purpose. And so, you know, I don't know if it had anything to do with me getting cast in the matrix, although I do believe that, you know, we, you know, when I would be auditioning and stuff and I wouldn't get a part that I really wanted I had this philosophy, which was that if it wasn't meant to be, that it wasn't for me and that I trusted that completely. And my mom always credited that for, um, for me able to be in a business that's very difficult and has a great deal of rejection. And she would watch me navigate that 
And, you know, there were times when I definitely would cry or be really disappointed, get really close to a great job and not get it and feel, you know, disappointed. And am I not good enough? And what did I do wrong? And all those things. But ultimately, I leaned on this belief that I chose to have, which was if my name is on it, it's mine. And if it's not, then it's someone else's journey. And so when the matrix came and I look back at it now, I can see how it all was meant to be. And it was, um, you know, I think that I do embody a lot of the qualities of Trinity. So I know that when the directors auditioned me that they felt, at least this is what I, I heard from someone, they might've told me this, I can't really remember, but that when I walked in the room, they just felt that I was the spirit of that character, like that energy of her. And, you know, the rest is not really for me to analyze or try to figure out, but it definitely was a huge blessing in my life and super grateful that I got to play her. And, you know, now that I look back at it, it's like, you know, playing this warrior woman that also had this really big heart is definitely how I see myself. And I'm always sort of nourishing those aspects of myself, you know, the, the part of me that's very like woman, mother, nurturer, and then the fierce sort of warrior woman who wants to get stuff done and wants to make a difference. And so I definitely spent a lot of time bringing those two aspects together and balancing them. How do you elegantly dance between those two roles? Well, I mean, I think every day I'm learning more about it. And it really is, I think, like right now, my greatest teaching for myself is how do I nourish myself? I really know how to get stuff done. I really know how to, um, you know, um, make things happen. And, you know, just for instance, the other day, I, I uh, was feeling really tired and I'm not used to feeling tired because even though I have three children and, you know, I, I I nursed them forever and nurse did night nursing for many years and, you know, had many very exhausting, um, you know, months (laughs) of my life, but I'm, I'm pretty, you know, if I get a good night's sleep, I eat super well. Um, I don't usually feel tired and I just felt so tired. It was after the eclipse that we had. And I, it's interesting because a lot of us are feeling this way. I think I just felt just wiped out and I lied down in the middle of the day and I did like this one hour, um, just sort of listening to this meditation on YouTube and I'm a big Kundalini yoga meditation person. So I'd meditate every morning. I have a sadhana that I do, but this was just so, you know, a, a guy saying relax and you know, the world and the universe and whatever. I can't even remember what it was. And I did it for like an hour. I fell asleep in the middle of the day sun streaming through my window. Um, and I'm not one to really have a nap in the middle of the day. And I felt so good afterward. And I thought, wow, it's hard for me to do that because I'm so productive. And, you know, it's part of the reason why I created the website that I have, which is called Annapurna Living, because I was noticing all the women that I knew that we were all just really gunning it. And it's not really nourishing ourselves much. And so it's like one thing to nourish ourselves with good food, which I'm very committed to and passionate about and brings me so much joy, you know, to make my shake in the morning and 
to have, um, you know, a tea that I'm making that's got some, you know, elixir energy in it. Like that's easy for me. Like I love that, but to nourish myself mentally, to tell myself it's okay to take a break and put your feet up and have a nap right now. It's okay not to be productive. Production will come tomorrow or the next day. Um, that's new for me. And, um, so I'm trying that on and, um, exploring that for myself. And I don't think we have many good role models for any of this. And so what I try to do, um, you know, in my own life, I'm working on myself all the time and that's a passion of mine. I want to grow. I want to be always expanding. Um, but then as a presence online with what I do is I'm really sharing my journey alongside a bunch of other women from all over who are, you know, feeling a lot of the same ways that I'm feeling. And I'm just telling my story so that people can have a, you know, the women that are part of what I do can see an example of someone who's not telling it, telling anybody that they've got it figured out and isn't, I'm, I'm not portraying any kind of illusion of my life. Um, and, but giving tools to elevate and uplift and to really thrive in the times that we're living in, because it's very difficult, I think right now, uh, to, to not get worn down by the wariness of what's happening I just feel like women are, are, we're, we're so compassionate. We're so empathetic. We hold so much of the weight of the world on our backs, in our hearts. And we are so incredibly strong and it's so important that we find really simple ways to nourish ourselves so that we can be strong so that we can keep up. And so, you know, that's sort of my dance that I do every day. So some of the practical things that I do is I, you know, I have a sadhana, so I have a spiritual practice that I do in the morning and the earlier that I get up, the better um, I'm aching for that early morning, 4:30, 5:30 in the morning, quiet, reverent, light a candle. I'm in the dark. Um, I'm craving that. I did that for quite a while. And then I took a break because I was getting really tired come afternoon and I have three kids. So it's, it, it can sometimes be too much for me, but. How old are your children? I have a 14 year old and 11 year old and an eight year old. Wow. And you, and you would get up that time even when they were younger or is that something that you've just started to do when they've got a bit older? No, I didn't do that when they were younger. I did everything to stay in bed with them and let them sleep as long as possible. <laughs> so I always think like when you have little babies, um, I mean, I know some people have strong spiritual practices when they have babies, but I just felt like nursing and lying in bed and connecting with them um, was probably my spiritual practice. I'd say in the last few years, I started to get up early and then I had a phase and it's interesting because I'm feeling right now we're in September I'm feeling this craving again to do that early morning sadhana. And if I remember correctly, last year was around this time that I felt that way as well. So it's probably seasonal, just like, you know, we as women are so connected to the moon and the cycles and the rhythms of nature 
that probably for me, um, this is that time when I go, oh yeah, I, I need that. I need that early morning quiet. Um, and then I'll do that for a while and then I, I'll feel like I want something different. And I think that's really an awakening that I'm having right now too, because I'm so, I have a tendency to be very disciplined and I love that about me. And I think it's important. Um, discipline is really helpful, but listening to that sort of more feminine way, which is, Oh, like this works for me right now. And now it's time to change. Um, and, and not be so pragmatic about it, not be so, you know, tight around how it should look and be. Yeah, that's really, really important. And listening to your own body's innate wisdom and pivoting when you need to pivot and shifting when you need to shift. I think that's something I've definitely improved on over the years. And I would love to hear how, you know, you're so deeply spiritual and connected and I used to be an actress and I did dancing and TV presenting, but when I was doing it, I didn't have the consciousness and awareness that I have now. So when I was getting all of those no's and kickbacks as I you know, portrayed them back then, it really did eat away at my soul a little bit. Each time, each no, each casting I went to that I didn't get, it really did hurt. And it got to a point for me where I couldn't handle it anymore. But I am so curious to hear, like having that awareness from such a young age that you had, and like you mentioned before, you were able to kind of, of course, there was times where you You know, you may have got upset or things like that. But how important do you think, you know, having that spiritual awareness and consciousness is for not only young women, but for women in this industry? Well, I think I cultivated it because of this industry. I think it it, it became a necessity that if I really wanted to do this, that I was going to have to figure it out. And so, like, I went to see every spiritual speaker, you know, I used to go to Marianne Williamson every, I think every Wednesday evening, this is 20 years ago, you know, and I remember her saying something that, and you know, it's, it's like we take a sentence from one, one place and another place to just fuel us when we need it. And I remember her saying that for actors, she thought, because so many people in the room were actors, that you had to find a way to know that you were enough when you were sitting on your couch, not working. Mm, and that's hard when you're an actor (laughs) and I that was sort of a mantra for me and and then I just I had a I guess I had a bit of an awakening um and it's interesting because that word awakening is so popular right now and yet I feel that like I feel like I'm on the verge of another awakening right now and it's part of um you know, it's, it, it's exciting, like, to be at, know that that's happening. Um, because I think the awakenings that I've had before have been more subtle or I didn't really notice because I was new. It was just happening. But I went through a, you know, and I've shared this before. I went through a big earthquake in L.A. in, like, 20-something years ago. And I didn't grow up around natural disasters. I grew up in Vancouver. I, mean, I know we have a few quakes, but I'd never, ever been around anything like that. And while the earthquake was happening, I thought for sure I was going to die. And it was as if I surrendered everything in that moment. 
And I remember like praying to mother earth and I had never thought of the earth in those terms. Like I wasn't like, um, that kind of person. Like I am now, but I wasn't that person then. I'd ne- I don't know if, if I'd ever even said the words Mother Earth. And out of my mouth screamed, Mother Earth, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for everything that's happened to you. And I saw, you know, so dramatic, but like I, I saw my life pass before my eyes in pictures. And I was completely ready. To, I thought, I'm going to die. And I'm sure it's just, it was the shock. I, I, I'd never been in anything like that. And it just causes your brain to, you know, there's many scientific reasons and then we can go spiritual and I always, you know, I kind of veer on the spiritual side. And when it was over, um, it was very stressful to recover from that stress of that, like that PTSD kind of from that. And what really helped me was that I really, I, do you remember that book, Newton Message Down Under? No, I've never heard of it. I might've even gotten it at my favorite store, um, bookstore in, in Bondi called, um, oh my gosh, Gertrude, Gertrude and Alice, Alice, where I would, mm-hmm. I would walk all the way from Kuji any day that I could. That was my workout. I would walk, walk that beautiful walk mm-hmm. and I would go there and have a coffee and just be surrounded by those books. Like I'm just thinking about it right now. I could cry. I wish I was there. <laughs> I live right near there. <laughs> oh, I, you live in, in the most incredible place in the world. I would move there in two minutes. It's magic, isn't it? It really is magic. And, but I, um, I had this, I read that book because I was dealing with some real PTSD. So I had that book and then somebody else gave me another book. It was a spiritual book. I can't even remember what it was now. Um, I'll have to, uh, it doesn't matter. But in the book, it was something about angels, about having a connection to angels or something like that. And a near death experience, I think. Um, and what I came away from both those books with was that, that I didn't have to worry about any of how anything was going to go down. That if I knew that what I wanted to do was aligned with my purpose, like being an actor, like if it was truly from like a pure place of, of wanting to do it from what I felt was like a pure purpose, I guess, um, that the universe would give me that and I just had to show up and do the work and that I could stop worrying about it not happening. I could stop worrying about another earthquake happening. I could just be free and live my life. And it really took all the stress off of me. And I thought to myself, if I really love acting as much as I believe that I do, then acting and acting class should be enough. And if I'm, act, if I'm acting to get other people to tell me that I'm doing a good job or to get validated by getting the job, then I will never, ever be happy. And I decided then, I, went, I used to go to Al-Anon, which is a really wonderful program. Um, it's, like the, it's like the AA, but like the other side of AA for people that have been affected by alcoholism, which I think everyone has been in some way, shape, or form. And there's a lot of really good tools in there that really supported me um, at that time. And I used to think about the business as a big fat alcoholic and that I wasn't going to look to Hollywood or the business to validate me, to take care of me, to tell me that I was enough, that if I did that, I would never be happy. 
What age were you when you had this realization? Probably around 26, 27, 28. And was that before Matrix? Yeah, right before I got the Matrix, I was having a major awakening, you know, my Saturn wow. return, right? Like it's like I was really having a lot of, of awakening at that time. Yeah, I've just finished my Saturn's return and it's been huge. <laughs> <laughs> so exciting though, you know. I didn't even know that that's what it was. Like I know that now, but at the time, and I look back and you know, I was just growing in leaps and bounds and lots of things were happening and some of the things were really hard. And all of those things are what makes a life, you know? And so when I think about Hollywood and how I've been able to navigate it and, you know, listen, I'm still navigating that and it's not easy. And, you know, as a woman aging in a business that judges you for aging and then judges you for trying not to age, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, for me anyway, I just have to live my life, feel good about myself. Um, and be about the work and heal all the pieces that need healing because there's always more to heal and show up and really for me, when I go to work, it's, it's always about the work, but it's also about everyone involved in the work. So it's about the crew and it's about the whole vibration of the whole space and it's important to me that I elevate that space, not only mm. as an actor, but as a human being. It's almost more important to me that I do that as a human being than as an actor. Um, because there's so many pieces that go into the acting, you know? Absolutely. I had Neil Donald Walsh, who wrote Conversations with God on my podcast a few weeks ago, and he says, bless everyone you meet. And he said that every time he walks into a room, he asks, um, how can I bless these people? And it's such a beautiful thing to remember. And I'm, it sounds like that's kind of what you do before you walk on set. You know, you really make sure that your intention is clear and it would just make such a difference for everyone working on the show or the the movie whatever it is yeah and and just to be clear like it's not something that I'm you know doing it's it's I'm living that you know yeah and I'm I'm and there's days when I don't want to do that and there's days when I just want to cry because I read the news on the way to way to work and I'm scared you know mm. I'm not afraid of that either. You know, I'm not afraid of being needing support from other people either. And I'm not going and asking for that necessarily at work, but you know, the other day I was at work and one of the camera operators and I were working really late at night and we were talking and he was telling me about one of his children and one of the things that his children is going through. And I was listening to him tell me this and here he is. I would never have known that. Um, that he was going through a health issue. And then all I could think of was, I know how many hours he works, because the crew work incredibly long hours. And I could only imagine all the, he was telling me all the research that he'd done on the internet to deal with this particular thing that his son had. And I know how many hours that kind of thing takes. And I know his wife is participating in that as well. But I just have so much love and compassion for human beings. And I, I just felt like, um, so much for him that it, if it, he, in talking with him in that way, I was 
in work, I was more awake, right? Like I was more present. I wasn't just rote. I felt more grounded in the earth and, and the world because I had this short exchange with this man I see every day at work. And you just never know where you're going to, you know, where you're going to make an impact or where you're going to be inspired or where someone's going to touch you or where you're going to touch them. And it's never like I go into it going, oh, I'm going to be this. It's that it's like it just feels right to live like that. And I'm totally imperfect in that process. And, but it's important to me at the core of my, you know, of my soul. Mm, I love how deeply committed you are to the work on yourself. And that must be so inspiring for your children to see. Because I was listening to another podcast, someone was saying that you know, there gets a point where we start to teach our parents a lot of things when we get to that age. But, you know, my parents have kind of stopped learning and growing and evolving. And that's, you know, that's not, it's not important to them. Deeper understanding of who they are just isn't really, you know, it doesn't interest them whatsoever. And it used to really upset me because I just see them and I just want them to grow and evolve. And as a daughter, you know, it must be so inspiring to see your children, to watch you and witness you just showing up and being imperfect, whatever that is. And yeah, it must be super inspiring for them to just show up and, and lead by example every day. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure about that. But I think down the road, probably, I think when kids are kids, if you think about like, I think about when I was a kid and my mom was in the background of my life, right? Like you loved your mom, your mom was like everything, but you know, your life, you were the, you were front and center. And, you know, sometimes I think as my kids are getting older, it's like, kind of like embarrassing, you know, do you really have to have all that yoga <laughs> stuff around? You know, can you eat something? We have to eat organic food, like, oh, you know. And <laughs> and I think that, you know, down the road, um, that that perhaps they will think that. But what I get the most that I see is that my kids inspire me the most mm. because mm. It's the places in me that I think if I didn't have my kids that I might be able to like just chalk it up to, oh, that's just the way that I am. But because I have them and, and I'm challenged, you know, it's not easy. Um, there are moments as, as they get older, it becomes much more, um, it becomes much more mentally complicated when they're little. It's like physically um, it's, it's physically demanding, but as they get older, it's like really a lot more emotional, mental work. And, um, it, it, it I really have to stretch. Um, and so I am very imperfect in this area. Um, and I love my kids more than anything. And I know that they know that, and they're really great people. And I just want to, you know, make as much room for them to be able to be who they are they're going to have stuff to work on and hopefully I will be able to share with them tools and other people in their lives will share them tools to get through whatever it is that they will need to get through because we all will have our stuff. But I, I get what you mean about like, there's a generation I think. Um, and, and I mean, it's kind of a, I guess I'm making a generalization, but you know, I, I, I feel like 
we are so open to like growing and you know, my age and, and your age. I mean, I'm older than you, but, but I, I can only imagine not wanting to grow or, or feeling like I, I find that people who are interested in growth really love their lives and people that don't kind of are waiting for their two week vacation and living for that. And then it's never as good as they're complaining because the weather wasn't right. And, you know, they're, you know, they're, they're kind of living in that model and I'm not interested in that model. Um, you know, and I'm not interested in, I'm not interested in being like even pretending that I've got it figured out because I really don't, but I'm willing to in the moment face myself and say like, what is underneath this? You know, what is this feeling about? What can I do? Do I need to apologize? What, you know, what is this bringing up for me? And then, you know, I do a lot of journaling, which is big, a big part of my spiritual practice and my own just well being. Um, you know, I don't go to therapy. It's not ever really been my thing. Um, I like counseling, uh, like a spiritual counselor for occasional, um, elevation, but I feel that I, you know, writing in my journal is the greatest medicine for me. I'll write about something that's coming up and keep writing about it. Um, I'll throw it into my meditation or my sadhana and, you know, and ask to be shown. Um, and then I'll just keep up with my life and keep moving forward. And, and I find that that has been really um, incredible for me, but I, I hope that my children look back and think that, you know, I was a good mom and that I, you know, that they think, you know, I, I mean, yeah, at the core of me, I hope they think I'm like amazing and that I was such a great mom, but I, I think as mothers, for me anyway, I have to be careful not to get too caught up in that because then when my children aren't being who I would like them to be, it's easy to feel a lot. And I want my kids to be able to be who they are and not to feel like they have to please me um, or be anyone other than who they are. Um, and that's, that's tricky, you know, it's not easy. <laughs> yeah, they are beautiful little mirrors for us and, you know, reflections of us. And I have an 11-year-old stepson, so for me, and we have him 50% of the time. So it's so interesting on the weeks that we don't have him, it's almost like I'm a different person than the weeks we do have him. I'm like, whoa, I didn't know that triggered me. Like that's so interesting. And it's an opportunity for me to dive deeper, which I really, really love. So it's like he is there to mirror me because I'm very good at surrounding myself with beautiful and inspiring and conscious, loving, caring people. You know, all of my friends are very much those things. So it's like the universe is like, okay, well, you know, you surround yourself with beautiful people. Um, but in order for you to grow, I'm going to put Leo there and he's going to push your buttons and trigger you so that you look at things that you need to look at. So they are beautiful little mirrors as as are um, our husbands. And I would love to hear, how is your relationship, like how has that evolved 
through you diving really deep into your practice, you know, you've, you're so deeply committed to kundalini yoga and meditation and mindfulness and living a conscious life. How has your relationship evolved or if it has, um, and, and tell us a little bit about, you know, how you guys work together, because I think there's, like you were saying before, there's not a good model. I don't think there's good models, enough good models of what is truly possible in a partnership of two conscious people. And this is what my whole next book, it's called Open Wide, is about. It's about teaching women how to, you know, show up as the best version of themselves first before they can, you know, be in a partnership with someone. And I really would love to hear from you how you guys do life, because I just think more conscious, amazing couples out there need to be elevated so that our younger generation have a model that they can aspire to. Because for me, I watched my parents and I'm not judging, but there's definitely things that I would like to do differently. Yeah, and you want to do that differently because of the way they did it. So, you know, it's there's a gift there, right? Absolutely. And I, I think like, you know, I've been married a long time and uh, my husband is also on a spiritual path. He's a very deep, soulful human being. We approach life differently in many ways and similarly in many ways. And I think the more that I make room for our differences, the healthier. And I think that's somewhere that we as women can get a little caught up in is wanting it. It should wanting it to be a certain way or wanting them, you know, like we have an awakening. And so we want them to have the awakening. Like I'm, whenever I'm away in New York, I'm in New York right now working like my poor husband, he's like got all three kids. He's a writer, he's busy. And I'm like finding all these things online and like sending them to him. Right. Like this particular thing or that. And it's like, he has no time to read them. (laughs) and 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 we you know and often i'll send him something and he'll watch it and he'll say that really didn't do anything for me i can't believe i spent an hour watching that you know i know it meant something to you and everything but i just don't have time and then other times he'll be like wow that was amazing you know thanks for sharing that so i think that you know marriage is a lot of work i'm super grateful to be married and to be in a committed relationship with someone that I absolutely love and respect. Um, I am who I am today because of the marriage that I have and the relationship that I have with my husband. Um, the moments that have challenged me um, have, have made me really grow. I think, you know, our, whatever we have to deal with um, as women um, around men, we work out with our husbands. And especially if we have a good relationship, we can really work that out. And that goes for them too. Like they've got stuff they've got to work through with their moms or whatever. And, you know, we're all working out our stuff. Um, And it's like, can we work it out together kindly, imperfectly? Um, So we've been able to do that. And, and, and at times it's not pretty. And at other times it's absolute joy and bliss And I'm so incredibly grateful that I'm married to someone that is so authentic, so creative, so deeply spiritual, but in a very grounded way. I think sometimes as women, we kind of like, I don't know about you, um, but I see some of my friends like wanting men to be kind of like their best girlfriend. And 
that's never, I think, I think when you realize that you can't get everything from one person and you know that, you know, that you're not putting it all on your partner, um, you can kind of take the weight off a little bit. And, you know, my husband is my best friend. And, you know, a lot of times he's the only person I talk to for days and days and days other than my kids. Um, you know, I don't see my friends all that often now that I have kids and I work so much, but you know, I have friends that I text or I call, um, when I need support in a certain area, I don't put it all on him all the time. Um, I might've done that when I was younger, when we were first got together, really wanting that kind of marriage or that kind of relationship. But, and I tell him everything, but I don't, um, expect him to be everything. Yeah. Wear and wear all the hats. You know, this is exactly what I talk about in Open Wide. We can't expect our partners to be everything. And yes, they can hold space for us. But first and foremost, they are our lover. You know, they're our... They're our lover. And yeah, I, I say in the book, go get your your girly catch-up fix over there and, and go speak to someone about that over there. But, you know, consciously making the choice. You know, my husband and I are business partners as well. So we we have this this roles of constantly going back and forth from business partners to lovers and we're away from each other at the moment. And I sent him a message and said, darling, I love you so much. I'm so grateful for all the work we do today, but I would love to talk as lovers. When can we talk as lovers today? You know, can you give me a time where you have switched out of business mode and we can just connect as lovers? And he was like, oh my gosh, I'd love that. So, we got some time last night at seven o'clock once we'd both had dinner and we were able to FaceTime and it was just so beautiful because I was aware of it in that moment. I'm like, oh, I was getting a little bit frustrated and a, and there was a bit of resistance because I was just craving my lover. And although he is my dream business partner, he's my lover first. Mm, that's gorgeous. That's gorgeous. And so good that you you were able to say that and that he could hear you. And, and especially when you're traveling like that, it's important to, you know, be there for each other. Mm. I think it's definitely something I've had to really work on over the past years and through different relationships, um, speaking my truth. I call it crystal clear communication. And I talk about this in my book. For me, understanding the concept of crystal clear communication, which is speaking from your heart clearly has really been powerful. I think us women think our partners can read our mind, but they can't. (laughs) Yes. I would love to hear how you and your partner move through those times when there has been a communication breakdown. Yeah. I mean, I think that I, regarding communication and marriage and all of that, I I think in the beginning of our marriage, for sure, I, we, we talked about absolutely everything and it was kind of a new thing for me to be able to really say what I thought. Um, I know that I'd been in relationships before where I was, uh, I wasn't able to like communicate at all, or I'd be thinking, Oh, I want to say that thing, but I, I, I didn't know how to say it. So when I got together with my husband, I was really practicing, like saying everything I felt. 
And that was really healthy for me to kind of heal that and to become and to come into this place of really being able to communicate. But I think like now we've been married for so long and we have excellent communication and sometimes we don't. And sometimes things fester and have to be worked on. Um, but I think because we have such a basis of commitment and relationship and history and love and respect for each other that we just, you know, the more room that I make for the imperfection of all of that, um, the easier it is to clean something up. And so I don't really worry if something isn't being dealt with. I know that it will, the time and the place will come for it to be dealt with. Um, I'm also not afraid of just saying, let's talk about this right now, or in the middle of an argument, have that moment of grace where I see that the argument is about nothing that we're arguing about, but about that thing that happened last week and dropping down into the heart and just communicating and connecting. So I don't really think about it too much, so much as we just live it and we live it imperfectly perfect is one of the things that I talk a lot about on Annapurna Living is, you know, it's so easy to think that everybody else has it figured out and that, you know, other people have better marriages than you and that other people, you know, know how to do it all. And it seems so lovely. And yet the truth is you just don't know what people have. And I think especially in relationships, I think we can easily as women compare what it looks like other people have. I have another um, thing that I say a lot and that I live by, which is, you know, don't judge your insides by other people's outsides. It's, it's like, you know, you just don't know. And, um, and so it really becomes about doing the work on yourself and, and hopefully having a partner where you can, you know, help each other grow and be authentic and not putting too much pressure on it to be a certain way, because I think that's when people start to feel like, like they can't be free in a marriage or in a relationship because they feel like, like they have to be perfect or something. And mm. that measure of perfect, I think a lot of women, myself included in the past, that I call it comparisonitis and we can get stuck in this hamster wheel of comparing ourselves to other people, but it's really, it is a steep slope and it's not fun. And when we can just stay in our own lane and continuously work on ourselves and show up in our relationships, like that's the best we can do. We've got to let go of this this label of perfect. I love what you say, imperfectly perfect. I think that's absolutely, that's great. It's so key. Yeah. I had a, I had like a, one of the first experiences that I had with any kind of like spiritual counseling was with a woman many years ago. And, and that's one of the things she had me write on a piece of paper and I put it on my, in my mirror, you know, being an actor and all of the perfectionism that is put on us, um, as women, um, and then, uh, you know, then you add to it a job that is based a lot on the way you look and stuff. I had in my, when, in my mirror, um, my imperfections are perfect. You know, it was something that I, I worked hard to embrace and, you know, it, not, not that I worked hard at it, but I brought a lot of 
awareness to that. And I think as I get older, it's like breathing more into that. And whenever I see somebody in pub in like, that is a public figure and they radiate like beauty that comes not from the stereotypical kind of beauty, where it radiates really from within them. And there's imperfections in, in the way they look. I feel so relieved. Um, if it's, not, you know, from their teeth to their skin to whatever it is, their bodies, I, I just feel like we as women can all just sort of take this big exhale when we see women that we can relate to and that feel authentic. And it's like, we, it, it's kind of, it's very hard to like step into that all the way and own it and, and, and be comfortable in that. It's like going really against the norm. You know, I was thinking about that today about like getting in shape because I really want to be strong and, and, you know, really feel good about my body and, and feel just really strong from the inside out. And I was thinking how the models that we have for like being in shape, like as women, it's like either it's like this really extreme thing that, you know, sometimes verges on feeling anorexic and just not really healthy. Um, or we have this other extreme where, you know, people don't want to get moving and they don't want to be moving. I don't know. I just, I feel like they're, we're missing like this key thing of like really having the strength within us and being able to keep up. And like, I want to be able to, you know, sweat and work out, but I don't want to, you know, I'll be in the room working out and I'm, I'm kind of surprised at, and granted I live in LA and I work in New York, so it's a little different maybe because people are very highly, you know, into that kind of scene. But I just feel like it kind of does women a disservice, you know, um, trying to aspire to something that just isn't even attainable for most people and isn't even really that beautiful even. So kind of been, I've been thinking about that a lot lately. You know, I just turned 50 and it's like, you know, I want to get into like the greatest shape of my life, but I can't, I don't want to work out the way that I used to work out it doesn't feel right to me anymore. So it's like finding that balance and finding like, you know, how can I really sweat and like, and do that, but not get caught up in this idea, you know? And I use the working out metaphor because it's kind of just a typical sort of place where I see that perfectionism, you know, you see it in women's bodies. Like we, uh, we're raised most of us with that, that feeling that our body isn't good enough, no matter how great it is, no matter how beautiful it is. It's, it's just something that we're sold basically from being little. And I was, I was even thinking about how we'll see actresses as they age and actresses that age in a way that's really kind of embracing youth, like look like really skinny and, and like, looking young is like the thing that people give attention to, at least in the media. And, you know, I'm just not interested in that. I'm interested in authentic, authentic growth, however old you are. You know, I don't, I look at women and I think, are we really aspiring to, to these ideas that we're getting sold that 
are airbrushed. And, you know, I mean, we all know this conversation and we've all been having this conversation for so long, but I just feel like it just does us such a disservice. Mm. And it comes back to what I was saying before about just staying in your own lane, you know, and I think the older you get, well, for me personally, the more comfortable I have become in my own skin and I've let go and by all means, am I not perfect at this, but I've let go of caring so much what other people think. And I come back to the feeling like, how do I want to feel every day? Do I want to feel vital and strong? And I always come to the feeling because for me, I have trashed my body. I have slogged my body at the gym. And that's just not how I want to move my temple anymore. I have such a deep respect for this beautiful vehicle that we've been given. I actually was just um, editing a part in my book about how disconnected we are from our bodies. And, you know, something like our menstrual cycle, we are so divorced from that connection and we use products and painkillers to really disconnect us even more. And for me, really connecting with my body over the past, you know, six or seven years has been one of the most joyful and greatest experiences that I've had, but I've had to really stay in my own lane and not look to my left and look to my right and compare myself to other people. It's been super powerful for me to just continue to remind myself of that, you know, daily. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because you, you know, going into the, into your cycle, it's, I think that for a lot of women, their awakening happens through their cycle. It's like when you realize that you have this connection to something greater than yourself through your menstrual cycle, and you suddenly awaken to a whole nother way of looking at life. And I, I didn't really awaken to that until I started having babies and started tracking, you know, um, ovulation and understanding that I had this whole, um, rhythm that no one ever taught me. I didn't really have a connection to, and, um, you know, and that connection brought me into, you know, natural childbirth. It brought me into home birth. It brought me into attachment parenting. It brought me into, um, spirituality on an even deeper level than I already had, had come to. And, you know, it's brought me to my connection to the moon, which is probably one of the biggest tools that I use in my life is, you know, really connecting to the phases of the moon. And, you know, I, now it's just such a, um, it just is, it's, it's like saying, you know, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you know, uh, the new moon, you know, w- waning moon, waxing moon, full moon. It's that's it's as familiar in my vocabulary in my body now. So it's like when the full moon is coming, and I feel like, uh, you know, often I feel like oh, really like like I've really I'm really ready for a break, you know. And then when that new moon comes, I'm just ready. You know, the new moon's coming up this week, and I just feel ready to start again and to connect to my intentions again. And what do I want, you know, to feel like, and I do the same as you do. It's like, my life is based on how do I want to feel? Who do I want to be? Um, how do I want to show up? Um, I was just sharing with some of the women in, in the inner circle that I offer on Annapurna living about, you know, showing them what my intentions look like, because 
um, sometimes we just need to see it, um, how, you know, how people are doing things, because sometimes it's hard to, to know, um, how to do it when you've been sort of given the idea that intentions are goal setting, you know, and, you know, when I look at the moon and I use that as my, really the foundation of my life, um, and, and I do it in a very practical way. I do it completely like in an urban setting. I do it just by, you know, I, I, I wouldn't even need to know. And I, my body tells me, um, what's going on with, with the moon cycles, but that's been really exciting and beautiful work for me. I love that. I talk a lot about that in my book open wide as well. We talk about how to chart your cycles and reconnect with the moon and, you know, even sync, try and sync your cycle up with the moon. So I, you're talking my language. I absolutely love it. So great. Tell me, has childbirth and parenting changed you? And if so, how? Oh yeah. I mean, I think that becoming a mother, um, by far has been my most favorite, um, segment of my life. Um, and you know, and I say that having had like an incredible segment just before having my children, you know, I just, you know, my career had, I'd had really a, an incredible experience doing the matrix and stuff. And so, um, I'd worked really hard up into that period and then had my, my children. And, um, you know, I think when you, you know, I get, when you become a mother, at least for myself, um, and I feel like we might have talked about this earlier, but I, I could be wrong. Um, that I there there are places in my life where parts of my personality that I think I may have never really worked at if I hadn't had children, because it became really important to me. So, like one of my biggest, especially when my kids were really little, it was always about, and and it's true still. It's like, who am I being? So as we're being bombarded again by all these ideas of our children, and I mean, you think that we're dealing with perfectionism as women, wait till you have kids, and you're dealing with projecting that perfectionism onto your children. And even if you're conscious and totally awake, it's, you know, hard not to. And there are people, the world is telling you your kids should be doing X, Y, and Z. And you you see someone's kid over there, and people are all comparing how much their baby sleeps. I mean, there's this whole culture of control around it that I just never could relate to because that wasn't how I wanted to, to live my life. But, um, with me, it's like, there was a certain place in my life where I, I, I could have just chalked it up to that's just the way I am. Like I'll work hard on myself, I'll expand myself, but those are just things about me that are just who I am. And then I had kids and I was like, wow, I really want to transform that even because I want to be an example. I want to be a healthy example of, um, of a human being for my kids, because I know that that's the most important thing that I'm going to give them. Um, now that my children are older, I understand that part of modeling a healthy human being is modeling going through hard things and falling apart and grieving and crying and feeling lots of feelings and making mistakes and then talking about it and cleaning it up. I mean, that's also part of, of, um, 
of modeling uh, health, I think. Mm. I remember when I first became a step parent and I always wanted him to see me like I had it all together. And it really did disconnect us. And it wasn't until I was really real and vulnerable and honest with him that our relationship has not only deepened, but he's learned so much through that because I can authentically express. So I I totally get what you're talking about. And for me, I grew up watching my parents pretend like they had it all together as well. (laughs) Yeah. Most people, that's what most people are doing. You know, there's a saying in Kundalini yoga, I'm sure it's, it's said in many other areas as well, that you have the opportunity and the possibility of healing seven generations before you and seven generations after you. Wow. And I feel that every day that's what I'm doing. And I'm not, and when I say that, I'm not saying, you know, I'm, I'm not doing anything special. I'm not, I'm not better than anybody else. I'm, I haven't got it figured out, but every day that I connect to myself and I meditate and I pray in a simple, very simple and sincere way, um, I'm, I'm healing aspects that have been passed on to me from my lineage so that seven generations from now my kids 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 will still be dealing with stuff but they don't have to be still dealing with the same shit you know Mm -hmm. and that's Mm -hmm. really what I um I see the most when I see how much I've grown from my family of origin. And I'm, I'm still triggered by those same thing, by those things within the family structure, you know, <laughs> me too. Me right. too. I mean, I still am. And, and then where the real growth comes in, I think is when you just have that compassion for yourself, for the other person, and you're able to pull out of the drama and see the bigger picture. And you're okay with it instead of, wanting it to be different, holding on tight, you know, cutting off relationship, cutting off your heart, cutting off parts of you so that you can deal with it. It's like having this space, like creating the space, holding the space for people to be human beings. And, and I think in the past I was holding people to a lot of perfectionism of ways of being and even within consciousness. And I think what my children have given me now, like as my kids get older, I mean, mothering is humbling work, man. You know, I always say like, you know, as soon as I feel like I've got it totally figured out, I'm completely floored and on the floor and on my knees. And as soon as I think I can't take another day, this is really hard. It gets incredibly beautiful and delicious and scrumptious. And it's, it's like I'm just constantly learning and constantly having faith in a power greater than myself that I have, that my children have, and connecting to that because the world is scary and there's so much going on. It's hard not to project that into every aspect of life. And that's probably my biggest work, I think, as a mother right now is to have faith for all of us because I'm even, you know, worried about just the the planet, like not like it used to be kind of like this bigger, like 
never in my lifetime kind of thing. But now it feels like it's so like right here, right now. And as a mother, that is, it's not just about me anymore. You know, like I always say, like, I'm not afraid of getting sick or something like that. It's your kids you worry about. Like I can handle myself. It's like your kids, you want to make sure they're safe and that they're okay. And, and, you know, you want the world to be a, a healthy place for them to grow and move on and have their children and all that. So, you know, motherhood has been definitely, you know, definitely awakened me into a whole nother level. And, and at times, you know, really, really incredibly humbling in, in a beautiful way. I'm super grateful. What's one thing you're working on at the moment within yourself? Um, it's so interesting. Again, we'll talk about the moon because I think, you know, uh, you know, sometimes people, I know probably a lot of your listeners are already all really hooked into the moon and stuff, but you know, for some people that, you know, it seems kind of silly to them. Um, I'll just talk about it in a really practical way. Yes, please do. Yeah. So I woke up like yesterday and really felt like I was really ready to get all my systems together, like to get really, really get organized and really get really clear and focused and I have a lot of different um, business things that I have going on. And, and I just felt like this surge of energy that I could see that this was the week for me to get clear. Like I just felt like it wasn't my mind. It wasn't my intellect. It was like a deeper thing. And, you know, the moon is moving into Virgo. We're going to have this new moon in Virgo, I think on Wednesday. And that's Virgo brings all that energy. So depending on where the moon is at, I have an app on my phone that also tells me and which, which app do you use? Um, I use, um, I think it's La Luna or I Luna. But then I also listen to one of my spiritual teachers. Her name is Paramatma Surisadna. She has this thing called Space Weather, which um, is an amazing um, service. And it's, you know, it's like $30 a month. And she just gives really incredible um, moon advice and, and cosmic stuff. But as a Kundalini yoga practitioner, it's like a real compliment to my own personal practice. But so here I, I really saw like how much those systems, I'm ready to put them into play. Now, leading up to that, I was feeling really wiped out and like needing to have a rest a lot. And I'm not used to feeling that way. I'm a very like full on human being. Like I really know how to get stuff done. And I start to judge myself when I need to rest, you know, when, like, I suddenly started thinking, Oh, you know, something wrong with me. Why do I, why am I tired in the middle of the day? Which is, you know, probably normal for most, for most people, but I, it was kind of new for me. And, um, but I had this moment of, of awareness because I've been working on this for so many years of balancing, you know, the parasympathetic nervous system and the sympathetic nervous system, the part of you that you know, wants to move forward in the part, the break, basically, those two qualities are, are the, that. And I've been exploring that for the last few years. Um, and so I, I was thinking to myself, like, why was that so hard for me to give myself? Like, why did it take a whole week of feeling like I needed a rest to lie down and have a rest in the middle of the day, and then feel great afterwards? And I'm looking at that and I'm not trying to figure it out. That's the, that's the biggest thing that, that my growth is about is I, I, I'm not trying to fix things and I'm not trying to figure it out, but I'm just bringing it to my awareness. I write about it and I give myself a lot of compassion 
for the places that I think I should have figured it out by now. Um, and I move through things a lot more gracefully. Um, and so like this week I feel, you know, excited to, to put these things into place and, and it's really listening to my own inner, inner rhythm. And I think one of the hardest things when you are a mother is that you are holding the rhythm of everyone in your family. And so it's sort of like the analogy I'll use is that I can make dinner for my family and I know all the different things, people, you know, my family like and meals they love and what, what did we have a few days ago? So I want to compliment, you know, not have too much of this and too much of that. And, you know, oh, you know, my son doesn't like mashed potatoes, but my daughter does. And my, you know, my other kid doesn't like this or whatever. You know, I, I take that all into consideration when I'm making a meal and I try to keep it simple. And so it's not like I'm trying to please everybody, but I want to make a meal that my family will love. But often I forget what I want or what I would even want to eat. And so it's like, you know, I'm away from home right now because I'm working and I have one more week here and then I go home. It's like, how do I continue to bring my own rhythm into this life where I am the center of the rhythm? You know, I'm the mother, right? I am holding that space and I'm not a martyr. I, I take care of myself. Um, I'm not, I'm not looking to sacrifice everything, um, but it is part of the dance of being a modern woman and a householder and a mother. Um, and, you know, I work and, and um, it's like, I'm learning right now, like some of the simple things that I love, like the drinks that I love to drink and, you know, with the Vitamix and the different aptogens and simple things that I can, I can drink at three o'clock that, are healthy and beautiful and give me that little boost of energy when I can't lie down and, and remembering that instead of just, you know, gunning it to get my day done. Um, and it's, I, ha I have a lot of room right now because I'm away to explore that. And that's one of the things that I've appreciated about actually going away to work a little bit. Cause at first it was really hard to be away from everybody, but now I really take it as, as really growth time to really explore. Mm. I'm sure many women can relate to exactly what you're describing. Let's pretend you have a magic wand for a moment and you could put one book in the high school curriculum of every single school around the world. So this is a book that your children would read. What book would you choose? Number one, I would just put a darn book in there and hope that one of them would read it because I was just talking, <laughs> I was just talking to a friend of mine about this, you know, the addiction to technology is, is so big, um, myself included. I, I'm really, um, you know, I love reading. I read a lot of educational books, like, so yogic books, spiritual books, um, you know, um, I love a good cookbook with a story in it, you know, um, but like reading books to like lose myself in, it's almost like my brain has been trained out of that with the internet, with my phone, with my quick fix reading, you know? And so I think it's vitally important that we really get a grip on, on the addictive nature of this technology. I, I'm deeply concerned about that for myself, my children, and for, for the world, for sure. Um, and so I just say, you know, any old, uh, a book would be good. Uh, you know, it's funny that I'm actually thinking of like an Anthony Robbins book. It's one of the first books I ever read. Um, it was, I don't even, 
unlimited power, I think it was. And I mean, it's so silly because I mean, you know, that I'm thinking maybe it's autobiography of a yogi or it's Paramahansa Yogananda. Like I could go like really spiritual. Um, um, but there's something about that Anthony Robbins book. I think I read it when I was like 19 or 20 and it was like the first time I ever really thought, wow, I can change the course of my life. I can do that. And I think that, you know, and I haven't read it in years, so I don't know if it would still resonate with me or not, but I think any book that kind of, that can really put the mindset of like, like you can create the life you want by what you do, how, you know, what, how, what you bring your attention to basically. Um, I think that's important and something that I'm really grateful. I feel like it was the opening to my consciousness actually. Mm, and at that, that ripe age as well, it's such a good age for them to get that sort of knowledge into their mind. Yeah. And, it, and it's so true. Like, you know, for women, I would say young women, it's like, um, um, women's bodies, women's wisdom by Christian Northrup to really connect to like your own innate wisdom within yourself, because, you know, we're all kind of hopped up on the idea of the whole medical system for our bodies and stuff. I absolutely agree. I think they're amazing books. So we can link to those in the show notes as well, if anyone wants to check those out. Now, I know you are a mom and and a working actress at the moment, and a wife, and a friend, and you wear many, many hats. And you probably don't have a typical morning routine or a typical day, but I love hearing about how people prime themselves for their day. So can you share your morning routine? And I know this is probably not the same every day, but are there a couple of things that you do that just really help you set yourself up for the day? Yeah, it's funny that you asked that question because that's something that I ask on Annapurna Living too, because that's something that I've always been really interested in. When I was coming up, you know, when I was younger, I would look to people who were successful mm, at something too. that, and I would look at what they did because um, I, you know, I, I think that's, and I, and sometimes I, I always wanted to write a book about like how to live. Like, I think some of us don't, didn't even know how to like live because we don't really get taught that. Yeah. Yeah. We're not taught it at school. Like they, you know, they don't teach us these basic things. And I wish, I wish I had have been taught the things that I know now. So yeah, yeah, I I love hearing about how people, what they do during the day that really set them up. Me too. That's what I I ask that question of people all the time. So I, you and I are similar then because Mm -hmm. I have that same interest. So yeah, my days are, um, you know, of course when I'm away working on my own, they're slightly different, but I'll give you a regular day. Like when I'm at home is, um, I get up early and I, um, make lunches for my children. What time do you wake up? Um, I get up around six o'clock in the morning. Now there's times when I get up at four 30 and I do my sadhana or five 30. I try to do my spiritual sadhana before everyone gets up. Mm, Me too. So that's my, my, when my life works the best. Um, but at the same time, I don't hold myself to any rigidity there. I'm very disciplined, but I also have a lot of flexibility in there. So like in the winter, I tend to like to get up really early. And I have to say today, I thought to myself, getting up really early, it's just all a win-win because you just get so much more done in your day. And it's just such a great way. So I'll, I'll get up at say in general, unless I'm getting up super duper early, like say six o'clock and I'll go into the kitchen 
and I'll light a candle. I always light a candle in the morning. And um, I love the reverence of seeing that light. I love, I feel, you know, and if it's winter time, I light the fireplace every morning, no matter what. Oh, beautiful. And I do my like 30 minute sadhana, which has some physical elements to it and a meditative part to it. And I love doing it in the quiet in the morning. 6.30 comes, then I'm making lunches. My kids are now actually for the first time getting lunch at school. So we'll see how that goes. But I still have to put snacks in there, uh, fill their water bottles, wake them up. My husband drives one of our children to catch a bus. And then I drive my other children to school. And then I, and that's like, you know, I make them breakfast and drive them to school, drop them off. And then I come home and do Annapurna living stuff or meetings or, or organize my day. I often go to the grocery store in the morning. I tend to feel like I do a lot of grocery shopping. (laughs) Um, and you know, I, I try not to fill my days up too much with too much stuff because I've worked, been working a lot this year. And so when I'm not working, I like to just, I, I I'm in this phase of my life where I don't like to have too much planned. I don't want to rush. Um, I, I call it like try, I, I really want to embody the queen <laughs> energy, the, the energy of a, a, a queen, not the queen, a queen. And my teacher Paramatma says, Queens do not rush. Um, when I'm saying yes or no to something and say, you know, there's a timing issue, I tend to really like to err on, I don't want to rush. That's my, my gauge on whether or not I can say yes or no to something. I say no to mostly everything because it takes a lot for me to, unless it's something like within my career and like work wise, that is very important. Um, or something like really soulful that I need to connect to. In general, I try to say no because I tend to, it's easy for me to say yes, but it can end up feeling like I have too much on my plate. And so I want lots of space in my day. Um, And and again, we're talking about this is, I'm not working at this point. Like this is when I'm home and I'm not working Um, because I go like long stretches of time working away and then I'm home. So when I'm home, I'm like just nesting in. You know, my house smells a certain way when I'm home. I've got my essential oils, you know, going and I've got my fire going and I'm, you know, often making a soup or something like that. Something super simple. Um, my husband makes me tea every morning, which is a real blessing um, that I having immense gratitude for um, because I, um, I, I see it as a, as a truly sacred act of devotion and love toward me and care. And I, I kind of appreciate being so grateful for something like that, that I'm very rarely disappointed with my life because I'm so grateful for a cup of tea in my hand, my old wood table that I sit at, that I've raised my children at, my journal, my pens, and my books. And I, a lot of times between drop off and pick up, I'm creating content for Annapurna living, but in a very kind of very organic way of just like, what am I, what am I interested in right now? I'm writing all the time and, and just sort of downloading like what's coming through me. Um, and of course that's peppered with texts to certain friends that I rely on and that I, I love to connect with and, and hopefully a phone call 
instead of a text because I really need to have that deeper connection. And then I pick up my kids and sometimes take them to whatever classes they need to go to or bring their friends home and, and make them a snack. And then, you know, we do dinner and I like to have baths. I'm, I'm a, whenever I need to, um, and whenever I have an issue or a problem, everybody, everybody goes mom's in the bath again. <laughs> you know, I've been known to have, <laughs> I've been known to have two or three baths in a day if I need to. Um, and I'm, you know, I bring my books and my journal and everything in there and the Epsom salt, I'll put coconut oil in there. Although I just heard it clogs drains. So I'm going to stop doing that. Um, you know, I'll put some, some frankincense in there, some peppermint, whatever I need. And I'll just, you know, create kind of like this exhale. Um, it's, I think it's important to find those little exhales within the day. And then I go to bed super duper early because I go to bed with my daughter. I, I lie down with her every night and she falls asleep in my left arm and um, we lie in the dark and I tell her a story in the dark and I did it with my boys and now I'm doing it with her. And then we, you know, she often asks me to say a prayer and I say a prayer and pray, you know, I pray every night and I have since I was a little girl that I will have dreams that will give me clarity about my life. Um, and I fall asleep like early and sometimes I'll pull myself up and hang out with my husband at night. Um, but I really feel like that early night, that early to sleep, at least a good three, four five nights a week really make the difference in the quality of my life. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. What time are you talking? Cause I'm an early sleeper as well. Uh, 8.30? <laughs> yeah, me too. I love me too. it. Sometimes even earlier because we put our little boy to sleep yeah. and then I'm like, well, everything's done. I may as well jump into bed. And sometimes I'm asleep, like I'm in bed sometimes at 7.30 and asleep by 8. <laughs> That's the best. And I find like if I don't go to sleep in that window, it's harder to go to sleep. So, mm. you know, I mean, I, we, we, I think I might have told you this when we talked last time. We had a power outage at our house and... Um, it was so nice. And I, I remember interviewing, um, a woman on Annapurna living and she was saying in their family, they live, they, they have electricity, but at nighttime they turn everything off and they live by candlelight. And so, uh, and I, I was like, and she's a very modern woman. She's not like Amish. She's like, you know, she's a modern like householder woman, you know? And I just envied that because no one in my family would go for that. But but when the, when the blackout, when, when we lost our electricity for a couple of days, I just felt like I loved not hearing the hum of the electricity. I loved the dark. I loved the candles. I loved the quiet. I loved just talking. And uh, I, you know, I just, I loved having to light fire in order to have light. And, you know, I'm kind of old fashioned, you know, like when I read Little House in the Prairie books, for instance, which I've read a million times. I love them as much as my children every time. It's so beautiful. And, you know, there's Pa, you know, there's Pa playing the violin in front of the fire while the girls are all sleeping in their small, cozy house and they hear their dad playing the violin, their mom's knitting in the chair, the fire's going. And I feel like that's what I crave is that kind of simplicity. And I'm never going to live that lifestyle, but I try to bring that into myself. So I light my fire every morning. I walk outside and get the wood and I bring it in and it, you know, I live in the middle of the city. I'm not, you know, I'm not living in nature at this point in my life. And so I try to um, 
bring that in. And when I go home, I'm going home next week from, I've been in New York off and on for six months. I decided that I'm going to start, I've been wanting to grow some food for a long time, but we're in a rental house. And so I've been hesitant to do it. And I just decided I'm just going to get planters that I can take with me. And I'm just going to grow like two things, you know, I'm going to grow some garlic. I'm going to grow some cilantro. I'm going to grow some carrots and, you know, just a couple of things. Like I'm aching to care for something like that. Yeah. I hear you, sister. I hear you. We live in an apartment as well. And we, we were the same. We're like, well, we don't have a garden and we'll just wait till we have, have the garden. But my husband was like, I, I'm done. I, I want to go get some pots. And he came home and now we have we have uh, parsley, cilantro, thyme, rosemary, oregano, mint. We have all these things and it's so beautiful and it makes such a difference. You know, he goes out there and gets it and it just, I'm the same as you. I would love a big veggie patch and that is my dream and my goal one day. But it's funny what you were saying, something about a fire. It's really earthing. And we live our life, like as soon as it gets dark here, we live our life in by our Himalayan salt lamps. So we have them. In Me every, too. We have them in the room and we have our diffusers going and we don't have any other lights on. So we have all amber lights. Yeah, that's so nice. It's so beautiful. It gives such a beautiful feeling and that calm, relaxed state is really something that I'm so grateful that my husband was on board with. <laughs> yeah. And you're saying, you know, you, you think, you, you know, you, like you, it's like, how do we want to feel, right? We want to feel that warm glow of that amber light. We, you know, I, 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 I catch the glimpse of the candle burning and I feel like that's why I light it. I feel a connection to something that is bigger than me that goes deep into my soul and into my bloodline. And it's like, when I look at the moon, I had that same relationship. I, I think all of those little things, and if I can, you know, say one thing, it's like living life in those simple, beautiful things, like those little things we're talking about. Those little things can make your life feel so beautiful. And if you're waiting to buy the house, to have the body, to have the husband, to have the kids, to have the career. If you're waiting for all of those things in order to feel really good, I promise you it's never going to happen because those things are never going to give it to you. And I see that time and time again when I look at successful people. Mm. I'd love to hear what are three things you're most recently grateful for? My relationship with um, a, fr- a new friend that I um, found in New York a few years ago. So we're a few years in. She's um, an incredible friend and has taught me about the power of holding space for other people. Um, I'm grateful for my job that I have right now and having an opportunity to be so creative um, at a phase in my career where I wasn't sure that I would get to have that. I'm grateful for my body and how incredibly articulate it is to me in telling me what I need and what I don't need. Mm, Beautiful. In your opinion, what's one of the most important things that we can do today for our health? 
well, really understanding like what you're putting in your body food wise and what you're putting on your body topically. And you, you know, I'm really good friends with Nadine Artemis and I really believe yeah, she's it. been on the show. Yeah. And so I believe in the living libations. Um, like I am, uh, I could, I could probably be her spokesperson everywhere I go. People are asking <laughs> me what I use on my skin and, um, you know, understanding that connection to what you put in your body, what you put on your body and, and, and getting out of the habit of being addicted to bad ways of, of being like under the, under the guise that, you know, well, I'm going to live a little. It's like when you really are healthy and you're eating from a place of true nourishment, you are so turned on by what you're eating and drinking that you never feel depleted. I never feel depleted eating and drinking the way that I do. And yet, and yet I don't put anything poisonous into my body and I would not. So that's really huge. Mm. How do you influence your kids or inspire your kids with that, especially because they, you know, they go to school and they're probably surrounded by it. So what is your method for navigating your way through that? Well, you know, when they were little, um, they lived a very, obviously very healthy, um, food life with me and all of that. And then, you know, it gets to a place where you really don't have a lot of control over that. And I know some people might surrender, (laughs) they might disagree with me, but yeah, I think you have to surrender. I mean, I'm not that you have to, I'm choosing to surrender and continue to, to offer what I offer at home and not be too rigid about it. Because as much as I'm saying that in a rigid, it sort of sounds rigid in what I said earlier about the food. Um, that's not going to work with my kids. So, um, I, I have to say that the verdict is still out on that. And I'm hoping that what I always hear, which is that they always come back to eating healthy, um, will be true. And, you know, my kids in general, um, you know, eat, um, you know, they eat the food that we have at home and when they go out and they, you know, they're going to make choices. I mean, you have to, you can't be on every choice. You can't be controlling it. I, I think one of the other things that I see a little bit in the healthy food movement is, um, you know, us organic non-GMO moms is that our children are filled with far too much information and fear around food as well. And, you know, I don't want to pass that on to my children either. I've seen children at a very young age completely freaked out over eating a genetically modified piece of food or organic piece of food that, you know, it's been passed on by their mother. And I understand, I feel the same way. And my kids definitely have been impacted by me in that way. And um, I think it's, it's unhealthy to pass that on too. So it's a balance and it's just giving them lots of, you know, good options and And, you know, knowing that sometimes bagels and cream cheese are, you know, I would never eat a bagel and cream cheese ever in my life. Like that would never, I don't eat gluten. I'm not interested in eating like that, but my kids really love it. And, um, um, sometimes, you know, when we we were in New York, we would get out, get our cream cheese and, you know, cream cheese and bagel and my kids would have it. And, you know, I have a, a strong feeling about that. Um, but at the same time, I don't want to be so rigid that I'm creating, you know, you have to really, you know, they say, what do they say? You got to pick your battles. And, and I see some moms really navigating this great where they're just, everybody's on board in their family and, and they're, you know, my children really want to be in the world and 
um, I can't keep my children from wanting to be in the world and I don't want to. And so part of that is, you know, all of a sudden my kid wants a Coke. I mean, if you would have told me in a million years that my kid would say, can I have a Coke? I would be like, you're kidding me. Never in a million years. Um, and you know, it's like, it's the perfectly imperfect whole thing. It's a dance. It's figuring it out. It's letting people find their way. How do you feel after you've had that? I mean, I've seen my kids have stuff and really not feel well. Now that's going to teach them more than me telling them and telling them they can't have something. Absolutely. And just continuously leading by example and you making these beautiful choices, you know, even if you give them the options to have what they want. That's how we kind of deal with this situation in our house as well. We continuously just lead by example and that's it. Not force anything, just lead by example. And it seems to be working really well. So we'll just go with that for now. That's that's all you can be, right? It's all you can be is who you are. I mean, who you are and, and, you know, show that. And it's, it's like people saying, I really want my kids to read, but they're not reading. You know, I really want my kids to be of service, but they're not being of service. I really want my kids to care about this and this and this, but are they showing that they care about this and this and this? It's, it's really incredible. Or, or I wonder why my kids want, you know, all my child wants is like new clothes. And yet the mother's buying new clothes all the time. Of course. I mean, and it's not a judgment about her, her buying those clothes, but of course the child, you know, it's like my daughter on her like written report card or whatever her teacher was just commenting, you know, she brings a lot of things to school. She has like all of her little stuff. Like we go on a trip. She's got like a bag with this and a bag with that. And you know, she goes to sleepover or a friend's house and she's got all these bags. If you saw, if you saw me like just going today to a meeting, I have my knapsack with my essential oils, all my living libations products. I've got my wallet. I've got a juice. And then in my other bag, I've got my journal, just in case I decide to go to a coffee shop and write. I've got the, the two books I'm reading right now, my organizer, my colored pencils, just in case I feel like getting creative. so cute. You know, like, <laughs> and my daughter, I, I get it. She is modeling me, but it's also like part of her tools in life are all those, mm. you know, that handful of, you know, that pockets full of rocks and you know, in her knapsack, it's like, oh my gosh, rocks. And she wants me to keep every rock. So now I've taken like a big planter in the backyard instead of having them in the house, I'm just putting in that planter, you know, (laughs) it would not be a stretch for a mother to see that in their child and not see it in themselves, even though it's so obvious. And the same goes for my mother and I, the things that I sometimes will say about my mom and my husband will say, Oh my God, you're just like that. <laughs> and I'll be like, and it's not like it's, it, it's like, Oh, right. I am in my own way. I'm doing that same thing. And that's life, right? Yeah, absolutely. So now I'd love to know what is one of the most important things that we can do today for more wealth. So more in abundance in every area of our life. Well, there's a great meditation for prosperity and abundance that I'm actually, um, that I love and I do quite often. And it's a, it's a, a meditation that really is navel centered, um, in Kundalini yoga. What's it called? It's called the prosperity meditation. In fact, I'm offering it next month on my collective. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll share it with you so you can see it and, and do it, but, yes, but it, it's like, and, and the, you know, it's, you're bringing the inhale, um, on the, on the, the belly 
And what I love about the meditation, because I've done it like in, in, in cycles, is that where I found it to bring me abundance is that it brings in this strength in my core, not like a six pack. It's not about that. It awakens that center. And when my center's awakened and strong, I can do anything. So suddenly, like all, I'm not overwhelmed anymore. I don't feel like things are too much. I, I feel like things are possible. And I think that that is the key to abundance and wealth. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm not a hustler. Like, I will never be a hustler. Have you ever been a hustler or is that? Never, ever have I been a hustler. Mm. Um, I don't want to be a hustler. I, um, and that's not to say that I didn't get up when I first started acting at six o'clock in the morning and drive to the 630, you know, boxing class that was, you know, half an hour away, come home and like, doesn't mean I didn't do the work. Cause I, you know, it's not about just sitting on your couch waiting for all this stuff to come to you, but it's like, it's like doing the legwork, being clear about not wasting your time. That's a big thing for me. I can waste my time for sure. Especially with the internet. I mean, it's a suck. It's a time suck. So not wasting time, being super clear about what is your gift? What is your voice? Are you in alignment with that? And being like authentic with that voice, if you're, you're doing something, you know, in the world that is reflective of you. I mean, it's one thing if you're working for somebody else, right? If you're working for somebody else to sort of get to where you want to get to, um, you can still be that and you, you will start to attract that. I used to work in a restaurant when I was younger and I was really good at it because I'm a real people person and I love people. And so I would go there and most of the waitresses, you know, they couldn't stand having kids in their sections um, they were just like trying to turn tables over as quickly as they could so they could make more money. They were hustling, you know? I was about like, how can I really make these people's evening wonderful? Like that was truly my intention. So beautiful. And, and I would make so much money in tips because people were so grateful. That was not my intention. I would get job offers from everybody to work in public relations, to work in sales. I mean, I would be offered so many things because I was attracting that, not because I was trying to get that, but I was really aligned in what I, I, I was important to me that I was showing up in my highest and in my best. Mm. And so I think, you know, having a spiritual practice, having a meditation practice early in the morning that grounds you so that you can lean on it. So you can get rid of all the subconscious garbage of your mind that sabotages and gets in the way of success. I mean, I think one of the biggest things for success is like, you know, if, if you were to look at my journals, I have every one of them from when I was 11 years old and got my period till now, you would see that for about five years, I have journals that are, I deserve success. Wow. From such a young age. Yeah. I deserve to be a successful actress. I mean, I'm talking like maybe like in my twenties now in this, you know, I deserve uh, you know, I have everything it takes to be successful at what I love. Um, you know, I'm worthy of, of this. I'm worthy of, you know, I'm all about the work. I'm all about the work. I'm all about the work because, you know, in what I do, it's like easy to get to, to buy into all of the 
you know, the glitz and glamour that's really not that glitzy and glamour glamorous anyway. But like just focusing in, like really, I'm about telling stories. And and so, you know, everyone does different things for work and and you know um I'm a firm believer in doing what you love. Um and trusting that path and if you can't make a living at what you love to find some aspect in your life where you can experience that. So for instance, if you're an actor being in acting class, you know, and getting up there and having that experience, even if you have to wait on tables, but the waiting on the tables is, you know, you're showing up in your highest there, knowing that it's supporting you getting to explore your craft. Or if you do have that regular job that's supporting you while you're figuring out whatever, whatever, that you give that reverence. And if you can't, if it's like really horrible, then find another job, you know, don't be afraid. And, um, you know, and that's easy to say when, you know, you know, I'm financially able to, you know, I mean, I know, I know what it's like to have absolutely no money. You know, before the matrix came out, like I thought I might have to work on, go back to waiting on tables. Like before that first matrix came out. Wow. Because I, and I was getting offered huge movies, but I didn't want to take them because they were kind of crappy. And, you know, I, I lived in LA and had like $20 for a while and was like, shit, <laughs> you know, I, I know what that's like. And it, it's like, once you've known what that's like, it never really goes away. You know, that's possible again. And so it's as much as I've had success and I've, I've had abundance and I've had prosperity. I know what it's like to not have it. And, um, so it's something that, you know, you have to continually like be opening to. And at the same time, knowing that all the problems you have, you're going to have even 10 million times more when you have money and we know so many people who are rich and, and have a ton of cash and they're miserable. So it's like, I think it's, I'm all about, I think, I think the more incredible people having a lot of money, it's just really awesome because they are going to do amazing things with what they, with the money they have and be able to really, you know, make a difference. But, you know, having money, um, doesn't always look good on people. So you might have to clean up some stuff to get there, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Now I'd love to hear what's one of the most important things that we can do for more love in the world. Well, I guess it really comes down to loving yourself. I mean, it's so cliche, but yeah. you know, you just have to always bring it back to yourself. Like, who am I being? What am I doing? How am I showing that? How am I talking to myself in my mind? How am I treating the person in the grocery store? How am I, um, how am I, you know, treating other people? my children, my parents, you know, my parents, my husband, and just continually going back to who am I being? And because it's overwhelming to, you know, it's great to want to save the world. And I, you know, I kind of took that mother Teresa quote, like really seriously, which was, you know, take care of your own family. Um, and you know, now I'm, a, I'm at a phase where I'm ready to reach out and get a bit more global with, with my activism and my, and my, um, that kind of, that part of me, but it really does start with who you are and how you treat yourself and how you treat other people. Cause we've all seen that, that spiritual speaker that gets up there and t 
talks the talk, but then snaps and is rude to the person that works for them. Mm, yeah. Like I'm not, I'm not interested in that. I don't, I'm not interested in someone who's good. I mean, I don't, I, I don't doubt that that person has something valuable to say that I can learn from. But when I see that, that, that that's not balanced, like it's not real, that person, how they are up on stage. And then when they're in their real life and, you know, I'm, I'm an actor. So that's what I do for work is I look at behavior and, and understand like all that stuff. If it's not aligned, I'm not interested in that person. Mm, And that's not to say that it's not to say that maybe one line they said at at, at something was something useful that I can put in my back pocket or in my heart pocket, but I'm certainly not going to look to them for how to live my life. Mm, Comes back to what we were saying before about looking at the successful people and, you know, mimicking what they do, you know, for someone who's up there and then maybe there's an incongruency with how, who they are being in their everyday life. It's like, okay, well maybe, maybe I won't, you know, follow that path. And it's not that they have, not that they need to be perfect. I'm, it's not about that. I love imperfectly perfect people, you know, but there's one thing to be saying one thing and, and showing a certain image and then completely not living it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that happens a lot in the spiritual community and the yoga community. And, you know, and it's really, I think it's such a relief when people really like tell you the truth. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, that's one of the reasons why I created what I created online was just that I really wanted to show that kind of bust that illusion, you know, bust that illusion. Yeah. And be real. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love that about your work. I absolutely love it. You know, I've stalked a lot of your website and it's really beautiful. And I just love how authentic you are and honest and vulnerable. And that's, that makes me lean in. That makes me, you know, want to hear more from you. And um, yeah, so you definitely inspired me in that way. The more you just speak your truth. I just, I love that about you so much. Oh, thanks. I have one more question for you. I would love to know how I personally and the listeners today can serve you. You know, what's one thing that we can do to serve you in any way? Like, how can we be of service to you? I, one of my main intentions in life is to serve and help others. So is there anything that we can do to serve you? Just being your authentic self is so inspiring to me. And I, you know, I stock people's stuff too and, and look for that glimmer of gold. Um, and so it's just really about being authentic and, and being that is just so inspiring to me. I feel so excited when I see, especially women younger than myself, stepping into their grace and their grit and their power, um, it, it fuels me. It makes me, um, and I, you know, and I have a lot of women that, you know, reach out to me and will tell me something that I said or something that I did that inspired them or, and, and, you know, that really means a lot to me and really, you know, keeps the, keeps me going because I really believe like when I started, for instance, with the Annapurna living, I was like, if I could just help one person, um, then that's, that's really my, in my mission statement is like helping one person ease their life a little bit or give them a, a breakthrough, help them that way. And so I think globally, if we reach out 
not, not to me, but reach out to people that do have inspired us that way, like to take the time to say, you know, thank you for that to whoever. I think we sometimes rush through and we don't tell people. That's so true. Yeah. Yeah. That's really beautiful. You've inspired me. I'm going to go and thank a lot of people who've inspired me and it doesn't, I'm not going to do it all in one day. And maybe write a letter and it'd be kind of old school. Cause I feel like, I mean, a text is really nice too, but I don't know. I'm wishing, I'm just hoping that we don't all just get so disconnected through technology. Mm. You know, I, I mean, it, 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 it makes me teary. Like it, it, it worries me. Um, so I hope that we can all like really wake up to the fact that we're really so dependent on this technology, which is so great. And look, we get to talk from Australia to New York and it's, it's so many great things about it, but to really remember how important it is to have that human contact. Oh yeah. It's so important. And I am just so grateful for this beautiful conversation that we've been able to have through the technology. I'm very grateful. I'm old school and I still send snail mail, thank you cards to my friends and family members. So, um, that's something that's really important to me. But before we go, I just wanted to acknowledge you and thank you for being a voice for women. Your work is, like I said, it's so inspiring and so vulnerable and authentic and honest. And that's one of the reasons why I was so drawn to you. And we had all these people trying to connect us, which I was like, I was so grateful for. Everyone's like, you've got to get Carrie Ann on and all these connections. So I'm very grateful for your time. And you are definitely one of those people that walks their talk and I'm so you have been so gracious through the technical issues that we've had (laughs) trying to record this interview and we've had to do it over two days and if I'm really honest there's some people that have lost their cool when that has happened and you have just been so incredibly gracious and I'm beyond grateful and thank you for the work that you do in the world with Annapura Living we'll link to that in the show notes and I can't wait for you to share more of that side of you like you said I'm really excited and um, just thank you from the bottom of my heart this has been such a pleasure such a beautiful conversation and you have to let me know if you ever come back to Australia oh yeah believe me we're coming my <laughs> some, our, our dearest friends are the Dado family and they just moved back there so we are planning as a family to come and see them so um, yeah we'll be back for sure thank you so much it was really a pleasure thank you beautiful what a beautiful heart-centered inspiring being. I don't know about you guys, but I got so much out of today's episode. And if you did too, please subscribe and leave me a five-star review because that means that we can inspire even more people together. And don't forget to tell me on social media, either on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, who you would like me to have on the show. And for everything that Carrie Ann and I mentioned in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes, and that is at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 42. And you can also check out all my other episodes there too. 
And whilst you're there, please sign up to my newsletter so that you will be the very first to know when you can pre-order my next book, Open Wide, which is very exciting. Thank you, my darlings, for being here, for wanting to be the best version of yourself and for showing up today for you. You rock. Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode, please share it with them right away. You can take a screenshot and you can text it to them or you can share it on your social media. And until next time, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word.